Um, I love the uh, sermon series that Pastor Chris preached last the end of last year called the Mindbender series. Um, if you heard it, go back and listen to it again. If you didn't, um, find it online and listen to it. Great, um, great truths in there that uh, I think we should be just continuing to think over. But the first sermon he preached was called Orthodox Belief with Pagan Imaginations. We can have right beliefs, our orthodox belief, right beliefs, um, but in our imaginations, we can start to create um, images of who God is and what he's like that may not be right. And uh, he had some great images on the screen. I think we may get them. Um, we begin to picture Jesus in our own image a little bit. I mean, so, I mean, I'm white Caucasian, and so I picture him like that. But different ethnicities, they're different representations from different ethnicities. You begin to think of God a bit like me. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's right and maybe it's not. Um, but we can also have, um, I think we might have an image there. He, uh, Pastor Chris showed an image of Zeus. And we can have an image of God that's not actually orthodox belief. It's not right belief that God, God is a God of thunder. He's angry at us. Uh, and in our imagination, a God given imagination, we can sometimes have, um, wrong understanding of who he is. And when we talk about who God is, we're not talking about his physical appearance. Pastor Chris mentioned that the really, there's only one thing we know about Jesus' physical appearance is that he had a beard. Uh, but we're not talking about the physical appearance. Put it this way. If, if, if people were speaking at my funeral, forgive me for this illustration, but if people were speaking at my funeral, um, they wouldn't do this. We liked Adam. He was six foot four. He was Caucasian, he had a receding hairline, and man, he looked amazing in linen shirts. <laughs> they, you wouldn't do that. I mean, that would just be a little odd. They would talk about the person that I was, and now that just gets messy because I'm, I'm not was, I'm his, I'm, I'm here. It's present tense, so let's leave that one behind. But you don't talk about who is Jesus. Well, we don't describe his physical appearance. We talk about who he is, his character, his nature. The image of God is the person that he is. Um, and John does that in the first book of John. John does that for us. And I want to read that to you. In the very beginning, the word Jesus was already here, uh, already there. And the word was with God, yet fully God. And the word Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, Generous inside and out from start to finish. And at first glance, it's like, well, they did see flesh and blood representation. He, but he's not really talking about his physical appearance. He's talking about the essence of who he is, the image of God, who Jesus is in his very nature, his character. And he says this about Jesus. He was there in the beginning. He was the one who became flesh and blood. He became human. He was the one who moved into the neighborhood and closed the distance between God and humanity, and he's incredibly generous inside and out from start to finish. And so I just want to unpack that a little bit with you this morning uh, to see, to see what Jesus is like, who he is. And it's just, the first thought is Jesus was there in the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of everything. Everything that you and me know that exists on planet Earth and into the universe, everything that we would say is our existence, he was there in the beginning of all of that. And so the question would be asked, well, who created Jesus? Where did he come from? 
Well, if someone created Jesus, uh, who created that someone? And who created the someone that created Jesus? And who be, who created the someone who created the someone who created the someone who created Jesus? Somewhere there has to be what scholars would call an uncaused cause. But an uncaused cause is impersonal. There's not just a thing that is behind everything that we know to be in existence. It was Jesus. It was an uncreated creator who was there in the beginning. I love the song, the Hillsong song, So Will I, a hundred billion times. It says this, God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. I love that line. There's no point of reference for Jesus. My point of reference, it's the 7th of the December, 71. Just pop that, night, that date into your diary if you want, just the 7th of December. doesn't have to be a big present. That's my point of reference. That's my beginning. Jesus, no point of reference. No point of reference. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. Uncreated, without an origin, without someone who created him. And I I love that. I actually love that about Jesus because that's a mystery to me. How? Well, I don't know. But by faith, I do believe that. Incredible mystery. I think sometimes we can get caught up into the rational and go, how How did that happen? I don't know. It's a beautiful, wonderful mystery. How can there be an uncreated creator? But that's who Jesus is. And if that's who Jesus is, let's. it puts him in a league of his own. He's, he's kind of not like us. He's completely other. He is outside our human earthly existence. He is extraterrestrial. And so to describe someone like that, you would use words like greatness and glory and power and awe and immortal and greater. And that being that Jesus becomes flesh and blood, becomes human. And let's get clear about that. That's not a promotion. Yeah, that's not a promotion. Um, uncreated to becoming created in human form is not a promotion. That's not normal That because strength normally rules over. Power controls and dictates. Greatness demands glory, but not Jesus. He is both great and humble. And that Jesus, the one who was in the beginning, moves into the neighbourhood, becomes flesh and blood, and lives with us, not removed from us. He closes the distance and he could have well and truly with all all he is moved into the neighbourhood with an incredibly big fat mansion, with a throne room that would enthrall everybody, with uh, all the the servants, all all the trimmings. He could have done that and he could have rightfully done that, but he doesn't. He moves into Nazareth's into this backwards town, into the humble people. But he comes into this existence with us, uh, moves into the neighbourhood, creates proximity. And on his arrival, not in this scripture, but on his arrival, he comes with a message, a profound message. And the angels appear and they have trumpets. And in my imagination, it possibly could have been an orange marker. 
Mark and Cohn. And this was the profound message that he proclaimed. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. That was the message proclaimed at the arrival of Jesus on earth. Peace on earth. That's a revolutionary message. Because to the people of the day, if a God is coming on earth, it's thunderbolts and lightning. It's very, very frightening. (laughs) You need to know why he's there and what we did so we can appease him. But Jesus, his profound message is to proclaim peace on earth, goodwill to all men. I come in peace. Jesus moves into the neighbourhood and he stands in front of humanity with this profound message, I come in peace. I wonder if you were to imagine God standing in front of you, what message would he have for you? Well, here's his message. I come in peace. What message do you hear from him? His message is, I come in peace. And I wonder if you could use your imagination to hear the message for you. Because we are really, we are, we, we don't like to receive, to believe, to accept that to be the truth because you know what? We know we don't deserve that. We know we've offended him. We know we've lived in certain ways that aren't his ways. We know that we've rejected him. We've, we know that even to, for some of us, we've gone, no way, get lost. You're my enemy and completely and utterly rejected him. But he stands in front of even that person and declares, but I come in peace. I come in peace, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. And just as I choose to believe that he is the uncreated creator, I choose to believe that message. I choose to accept his message for me in faith. And the final part that John is communicating is his generosity because the final act of Jesus was to actually be nailed to a cross to wear our offence on him so that we are free of all our offences that we've caused against him, to be forgiven of everything that we've done against him, an incredible act of generosity. Is there any greater love, any greater generosity that someone would lay down their life for a friend? That was Jesus' act of generosity. What's the image of God? He is the uncreated one. He is the one who would actually limit that to come to dwell amongst men, to close the gap, to live in proximity, to move into the neighbourhood, to be generous inside and out and to speak this message of peace. Speaking of generosity, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this morning a little like Oprah. I'm feeling a little Oprah this morning and if you've ever watched Oprah, <laughs> I actually haven't, um, but she does giveaways. So I'm doing giveaways this morning. There's gifts and underneath a bunch of seats are envelopes. Would you mind checking underneath your seat to see if there's an envelope and if there, um, there's four out there. So go hunting. Go hunting because um, if you can't find one, maybe there's one under spare seats. I'm looking at spare seats over here. Have a look. And if you find an envelope, could you please don't open it. Come on down the front 
down here. Come on, don't be shy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Come on down. Nice, you're the first. Don't be scared. I come in peace. There's two. Good for you, thank you. Nice. There's got to be two more. There's got to be two more. To make this work, I need there to be two more. Okay, so please go have a look around. Have a look around. Check under the seats. Thank you. Yeah, get up and have a look. There's got to be two more. Ladies, if you would like, you can open your envelope and hold on to it. Thank you. There's three. There's three. There's three. Do I have four? Do I have four? Do I have four? There's got to be a fourth. Can I hear four? Having a look. Having a look. Oh, good on you. She's, she's checking. She's keen. I like that. Go, girl. Nice. All right. What have we got? What have we got? See if I can make this work. Fantastic. All right. Now, if you were on Oprah, you don't sit there and go, yeah, that's nice. They got a gift. You get into it. So I want a little bit of crowd participation this morning. Hey, it's uh, gift time. Fantastic. So we have a few envelopes. Thank you, ladies. It's great to have you. Um, who got, who got, um, who got chocolates? Yes. Now, if you know what happens on Oprah, you know that sometimes she gives it to everybody. Yeah, so that's why you get excited. Hello, sir. Welcome. Would you like to open that envelope? Um, so I have for you chocolates. Nice. There you go. Fantastic. Don't go away. Don't go away. Now, who got flowers? Flowers. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, now, look, there was a little bit of misunderstanding. But, but we've got two, so it's flowers. Yeah. ching. There you go. Fantastic. That's all yours. All right. Um, who got a new car? Yeah. Woo! Fantastic. Could be a new car for everybody in the audience today. There isn't, but there could be. Cool. And the last one, this is the big one. Who got offended? <laughs> Fantastic, just so you don't get offended. Chocolates for you. Give these people a round of applause, please. And in true Oprah style, she would then say, you got offended and you got offended and everybody gets offended. Because the truth is, it's probably true. We all get offended. Um, last year, I was reading something about if you're working in a workplace, there is a high probability of conflict and tension. Yes? And if there's a high probability of conflict and tension, there's, there's a high probability of getting offended. Um, in fact, it goes way beyond the workplace. If you're in proximity with human beings, i.e. family, um, there's conflict and tension and a high probability of being offended. Correct? Let's just be honest this morning and call it for what it is. It's like, yep, if you're in human relationships anywhere, conflict and tension exists and there's going to be the probability of offence and it's not just a probability, it's a reality. Yeah? Let's be honest with ourselves and go, yep, that's my reality. I get offended with people. And so if it's part of human existence, it would be smart of us, it would be wise of us to get the wisdom to help us to navigate that part of human existence and reality. Thank you. <laughs> Definition of offence. Annoyance, 
or resentment brought about by a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself. And I'm, I'm just going to propose today, I'm sure there's other elements to it, but I'm going to propose today that offence comes with, um, I have value. I have value as a human being. I've just got to get rid of that because it keeps distracting me. I have value as a human being. And when that value is trodden on, there's opportunity for offence. And I have things that I value. And when somebody doesn't treat them with the same value and disregards those, I think there is opportunity for offence. It can happen when people just treat us rudely, when people treat us unfairly, when we're spoken to poorly, we're spoken about behind our backs, when there's a lack of compassion and a a lack of effort to try and understand who I am and where I'm coming from, opportunity to get offended. Sometimes it comes out of, um, as I said, I have values um, and, and I'm expecting now that you would have the same values and that you would respect those things and live in the same way that I do. And so when people um, speak or behave differently to me, I'm like, well, no, that's not how you do it. And, and through that expectation, we can get offence um, where we, we actually have communicated what we value and we expect people to remember and they don't that expectation is unmet and we get it offended, i.e. putting the toilet seat down. Some people value that. And just to be clear, blokes, I'm talking to you, don't have to be reminded to put the toilet seat down. Now, really important to remember we're not excusing those things. Today I'm not talking about offence and just say, don't, don't get offended. No, 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 part of human experience and existence in human relationships is that we will get offended. We have values and we are valuable and and in life, people don't meet those things. People devalue us or disregard as was in in the definition. I had a brilliant opportunity last weekend to get offended. Um... One of my values, who I, who I am, is that I'm genuine and authentic. I like to be that. And when that's disregarded or people don't understand that um, or criticise that, I, can, I, I have an opportunity to get offended. And so um, I don't want to offend anyone here, um, not getting political, but we're all aware of the bushfire crisis in Australia. I mean, unbelievable what's happening across our nation. And in the middle of that, Scott Morrison's giving leadership. And last weekend, I just had it up to here with the, with what I think is the, is the, is the flack that he was copying. Did he make some mistakes? Does he wish he did some things different? I bet you he does. Um, but he copped it in the media. My opinion, he copped it in the media. Uh, and so regardless of what you think, we're actually called as, as those in, in faith, the family of God to pray for and encourage and support those who have been put in leadership over us. And so I got on his Facebook page and I just sent a message of encouragement and thanks. Uh, part of it was, thank you for what you're doing. You, among other people, in, uh, are serving our nation. I just want to say thank you. Well, I was not prepared for the reaction that that got on Facebook 
Call me naive, because I really was. I've learnt now. Um, I was 673 degrees of naive, because that's however that's the number of reactions I got to my Facebook post. Now, if you don't do Facebook, if someone makes a comment, people can react to that. React with emojis. Emojis are the happy face, the sad face, the thumbs down, thumbs up. I got 673 of those. Actually, I should be proud of that. That's the most I've ever got. That's good. However, over 500 of those were negative. Over, thank you. <laughs> Apparently, I offended a few people. Um, and that's okay. Um, 134 comments. I should be proud of that because I've never got that many comments. 134 comments, the majority of which were negative. Uh, and some people actually inquired to my health and inquired if I was high at the time of writing that post, to which I, I didn't bother replying, but no, I was not. Um, and, and I thought, you know what? You don't know me. You don't know my intent. You don't know where I'm coming from. I'm just, in my genuine and encouraging self, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Um, and I had opportunity to take offence there. I didn't because I was preaching a sermon on it the next weekend, so I chose not to. But um, I think there's this distinction between I can get offended, which happens, to taking offence. And taking offence is when I choose to pick that thing up and hold on to it. And it's interesting that psychologists would say we have a tendency to do that uh, and we can then um, make that thing a little bit bigger than what it is. Psychologists describe it this way. In trauma, and I'm not talking about trauma today, 90% is what happened to you. 10% is the storyline, the narrative that you put with that. Offence is the opposite way around. It's 10% what happened to you and 90% of the storyline you put around that. Now, some of that storyline can be can be accurate, past offences, past actions for those people. But if you're like anything like me, there's a little bit of creativity that gets into that space because I start having conversations with those people. Have you ever had those conversations with people? Because I get really good at the conversation that's going on in my head when someone offends me. And I get going and I come up with amazing one-liners. I am sharp. I am on the ball. But when I say that, you know what? They shoot back with that thought. And I'm like, yes, of course you would, because you are that type of person. It's always negative, but I am quicker on the draw than them. And I shoot back with an incredibly smart and witty and sharp reply. None of you have ever done that, have you? Because let's be honest, getting offended is part of life. And part of that is adding a created narrative around it. And I start to hold on to this offence. Begins to control who I am. It begins to be the set of glasses that I wear when I walk into that space, into that location, into my workplace, when I interact with family members, with other people, whoever it is, it controls my thoughts, 
It controls my attitudes, my reactions, my responses, the words I speak, the thoughts that I have in my head. And you know what? It doesn't produce anything good or useful. I work at Emu Gully Adventure Education. We're in the outdoor education sector. We have lots of people come to our centre and do um, activities. It's an activity-based centre with a challenge. I've got an image of one of the activities that we do. It's called the Commando Cable, Cable Crossing. And um, did you like that name? Commando Cable Crossing. The first post is on the left-hand side off-screen. Everybody must start at the first post and you are going to walk along the cable, as you can see, about 30 centimetres off the ground and, uh, and you've got to get as far as you can as a team to, uh, through the poles, through the course. There is a fifth pole that's off to the right of the screen and, and the challenge is how many can you get of your team to that fifth pole? Catch is um, if you let someone fall, um, or lose their balance and touch the ground, the entire team must reset. Hence, they're on there like a good team, supporting one another, holding on to each other, making sure that no one falls. But a good team will do this. There will be people on the ground who have their hands in this position and they just walk alongside the people who are on the cable. They don't touch them. They're not allowed to. They're instructed not to. Uh, but they will just be in proximity and they will talk to them and encourage them. No contact, just I'm there. And as we debrief that activity one day with a group at the end of last year, and the debrief is simply just talk about the experience. What did we experience? What did we learn just now? One girl said this, when people were standing right there with me, next to me, in proximity, I felt safer. I felt safer. In proximity. I have a photo of one of my work colleagues there just demonstrating that. I just felt safer in that space. But what happens with a fence? A fence begins to create distance. That space in between where I withdraw from those relationships. And it's not safer. We're not better together. We're not in unity. And what happens in that space? What happens in that distance there in terms of human relationships? Well, we probably know. We've probably experienced some of it. There's judgment. There's critical uh, attitudes. There's bitterness. There's resentment. There's disunity. There's gossip. And it starts to look a little bit ugly, a little bit hellish. And I love the thought that Pastor Chris brought through this, through this same Mindbender series last year that I actually have the opportunity. I have the opportunity to bring more of heaven into this space and less of hell. And as I go into 2020, I'm challenging myself with this message here, but in any way I possibly can. How do I bring more of heaven into this space and less of hell? And in that photo there where there's distance, there's not heaven. We know that. We've experienced that. We've lived in that. There's withdrawal. There's distance. And I've watched people as they hold on to offence, as they 
don't just get offended, they take offence and hold on to it. And pretty soon after, it's 16 years later and they're still not talking to that person. And Paul writes in Colossians, he writes this, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. You know what's interesting to me? Paul's writing to people in the church, in the family of God. In fact, he actually references it there. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. And I guess I'm throwing it out there not to slap anybody in the face today because I just have this heart that that the family of God would be different, that we would not live in disunity and distance, that, yeah, there is opportunity because in any human existence, even in the family of God, there's room to get offended. There's room to get offended but not to take offence because the message of Jesus is peace on earth and goodwill to all men. The gospel story is this unmissable message. God came to show you, to show us something better than we deserved. That's not the end of the story. So that we show others something better than they deserve. That's peace on earth. That's heaven on earth. Here's the best illustration I've got for you. My in-laws moved into a retirement village recently um, and they're loving being in community and part of community is Friday, um, five o'clock happy hour up at the clubhouse. And um, Janine and I have been invited to go up there and it's a great space. I love going there because you just sit at these big round tables and you just share a little bit of life with um, the 70-somethings. And, uh, and they're always up for a chat. They're always up for sharing a little bit of life. It's really easy space just to relate to people. And I got talking just before Christmas to Cheryl. Cheryl uh, has been in the, in the retirement village for a while, and I do not even know how we got to this story. But Cheryl shared a little bit of her life. And she said, um, remember, she's 70-something. Uh, my, my mum died when I was younger. And uh, when my dad passed away, he was well off. He had a lot of money and he left everything to the daughter of a friend of his. I got nothing in his will. And then she said this, but you know what? I've chosen to forgive him. I've chosen to see the good in my dad. And I went, Cheryl, thank you for that story. And thank you for bringing heaven on earth. Thank you for bringing heaven into your existence. I don't even know if she has a faith, but she's bringing heaven into earth. Because number one, she's bringing heaven into her existence. Because if you're living with distance, that ain't heaven, that ain't blessing, that ain't unity. And you know it. But she went, you know what? I choose to forgive my dad. I choose. I choose to bring something different into that space. Who is Jesus? He's the one who is generous inside and out. He is the one that chose 
not simply to look past our offence, to become the one who would actually wear our offence, who became flesh and blood, who moved into the neighbourhood, who closed the distance and made proximity with every human being, including you, and spoke this message, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. I'm gonna close real soon, but I'm just gonna ask in the honesty of this morning, calling it for what it is, for you to actually just take a moment and just reflect. It's 2020, it's a new year, it's a new start. I don't wanna do this year like I did last year. I wanna do it better. I wanna have more freedom. I wanna see more heaven on the planet than I did last year. And I wanna do the same next year. So I'm gonna ask you, who is it that you need to give forgiveness for? Do you need to extend forgiveness to? Who is it? I don't think if you're like me, you have to look too far. But who is it? Who's that person? Who's that bunch of people? I'm not asking you to become best friends, but I'm asking you to actually put down offence. Where do you need to bring more of heaven on earth in 2020? Where is that space? Who is that person? Can I have you stand this morning? And can I have you to close your eyes? And I'm just going to ask for you to respond. I just want you to raise your hand and just go, that's me. So before anyone raises a hand, could I just have eyes closed to respect that people, this is a vulnerable moment for some people, but they they want to make a response. And then I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you're just going, yep, Adam, I, I, I know I need to and I'm committing to. Laying down a fence and passing on forgiveness. Is there anybody here that's going to commit to that today? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. There's hands going up all over the place because it's part of the human existence, our reality. It happens. Man, do it for yourself to bring blessing into your life, let alone the lives around you. And I want to pray for you now. Jesus, Jesus, thank you that You speak peace into our lives, that we have received forgiveness from You, Jesus. Thank You for these brave ones who said, I need need to find that place of forgiveness and freedom and let go of offence, even in the hurt and pain and injustice. Jesus, would You grace them to do that in their heart and in their soul? And God, I particularly pray for them in their mind. Jesus, that you would grace them to let it go in their, in their thinking, in their, in their mind, in their brain cells. God, the renewing of the mind through Jesus Christ. Amen. While your eyes are closed, I just believe that there are, there are people here this morning and here's where it comes from. Here's where all of this starts from, that you have never experienced the peace that is offered to you through Jesus Christ. You've never started a relationship with God. Or maybe you have and you've ditched it. But this is the moment where you just say, I want peace with God. I receive the deal that He has for me. I want that. 
and I'm asking for it. And if that's you, while all eyes are closed, I would love if you would just raise your hand and say, I, I want peace with God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There's, there's four hands that I can see at least. Any others? This is just a little moment of response for you where you say, I choose to accept that deal of peace, the forgiveness that He has for me. I choose to accept that and I want to live in peace and relationship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands all over the place. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you. You may open your eyes, pop your hand down. Could we just, could we just affirm those people and just give them a massive round of applause? People start a relationship or reconnecting with God. And to do that, we just pray this simple prayer on the screen. And we're going to pray it all together. And if you did not get to the point of raising your hand, then please just pray it with sincerity and genuineness. That's not a word. Pray, pray it from your heart and, uh, and God hears that. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe in You. Thank You for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow You. Amen. Let's give those people another round of applause. God bless you.